Hey you, yeah you, come join our Discord. The Mixing Music Discord server is filled with tons of awesome information and people. People that can help you out and information that can help you grow your business and to help you improve your mixes. So come join us and find the invitation link at mixingmusicpodcast.com. One, two, three. Hello, and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and today with me, as always, my lovely co-host, Lazy Lou. You are not lazy. You are not lazy. L is a hard one. You are not lazy. I'm sorry. I thought we were saving licorice for the next one. Oh, that's right. Licorice Lou. (laughs) Licorice Lou. To be Uh, fair, I did wake up at like two today. No, no. That's why I didn't want to say anything, because there's, like, lots of L words. But you know what? Our schedules are very Loser, different. A lot lazy. of our clients like to book at night. But so. you're not lazy in the slightest. No, no. That's not... That was a bad one. I'm sorry to anybody to anybody that knows Lou. <laughs> but uh, um, All my sponsors just fell through. <laughs> <laughs> just dead. No, but, uh, yeah, how you been? You been all right? Mm. Oh yeah, just uh, just got hired for another album's worth of mastering from one client. Just got hit up to to potentially produce for another. Um, should be an interesting next couple of weeks. There we go. Uh, holidays are coming up. We're recording this. What day is today? On the fourteenth of December. So mm-hmm. holidays are coming up, and December and January are notoriously slow in LA for uh, studios. But we're doing all right. Yeah, we're gonna make it. And if we make it these next two months, then we're going to make it the rest of the months. So I'm going to make it a point to just like run up some long range of steps to the song Eye of the Tiger when we make it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Eye of the Tiger. Um, but today we wanted to talk about um, the idea of niching versus expanding your skill set. Diversifying yeah. your skill set versus niching down and honing, honing a few. So in the past, I've, in episodes, I've talked about how important it is to niche into a field, especially if we follow kind of the general laws of economics, usually companies and people and things that niche down to specific areas, whatever that may be, um, or find a niche that's large enough that nobody else is competing with. You know, It doesn't have to be a super specific niche. It can be a large niche, like a very general niche, but if there's no competitors, right, that's a good niche. So the, basically the idea of trying to be everything versus trying to niche down. Because I always talk about we should, I'm trying to niche down always and trying to do less diverse stuff and trying to focus in what I'm good at. And then at the same time, uh, I know that Lou um, has mentioned that in L.A., in order to survive, you have to be able to do everything. Oh, right? yeah. So, and I think there's a balance here. And I want, let's, I want to talk about that today. So, okay. Because I think we're both right. And yeah, I think yeah. you understand we're both right on oh, this, yeah. right? Yeah. It's it's one of those things where in our industry, realistically, there's not one genre of music. So if you're specializing in one thing and never branched out into another, you're really just cutting your limbs off, you know, and just saying, well, my left leg is my best limb. I'll keep that one. But when starting out, you got to be able to accept any job that comes your way, whether it's recording bands, recording vocalists, recording violinists, or Hey, some people just need a podcast recorded. I'm just saying, whatever it is, take the gig. But as you expand, you start noticing that you start getting more clients in one direction or another. But that doesn't come till later. You know, you have to be known to be really good at something before you start becoming that guy at that something. 
you know, or girl or cat, you know, dog. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, so I would say that exactly as you said, this this episode will go hand in hand with the previous episode that we released, which was about, you know, scaling your business, how to scale safely. Um, because I think that as you scale and as you grow and as you become more uh, developed in your career, you're going to find that some things make more money than other things. You would personally enjoy some things more than other things. Oh, yeah. And you're better at some things than other things. Oh, yeah. And eventually over time, just naturally, even if I didn't even bring up niching, you're going to niche. You're going to realize, oh, I don't like recording anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't, or I really like recording and I only want to record now. Mm-hmm. Um, or whatever, right? You might find that I was making classical music at the beginning because I studied classical music from college, but I'm really getting into this like house music thing. Yeah. You know, whatever your niche is, like, it's okay. You're going to find it over time. If you're new, if you're just starting your audio career, you're not going to find a niche. And like, sometimes your niche isn't dictated by what you necessarily want. Sometimes it's what you fall into. Yeah, for reals. I think it's a combination. Yeah. Um, for example, with me, I when I first started my audio career going full-time, it was a lot of folk, a lot of rock, a lot of alt-rock alt kind of stuff because I was in that marketplace. Uh, most of the other studios and artists in the area in Provo, Utah, were doing that kind of music. Um, but I grew up in Chicago and listening to Chris Brown, Kanye, Rihanna, you know, Usher, Neo, Mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff on the radio all day, every day. Um, When I moved to Utah, eventually I got sick of it and I found artists that did hip hop and R&B the way that I liked it. And I started, you know, wanting to pursue that more. And so I found that niche and I found out that Utah has a lot of rappers and R&B singers, pop singers that they think they're the only rappers in the area, you know, (laughs) like. That's true. So, um. I was able to niche that kind of fell into my lap, but it also was because of something that I liked. Have you ever niched down into something? I have um, on two different levels, one professionally, one personally. Um, So the one that I niched down on personally was actually rock because that's my background. I came from playing in bands and, you know, writing more progressive alternative kind of things. Um, Things that you don't really hear popular on the radio. I, in fact, I'm I'm hard pressed to find a radio station on like you know, daytime radio that actually plays any of that kind of music. That's not a major name like Lincoln Park or something. But um, you know, I I came from bands and everything. So per- personally, I actually preferred recording like live drums, and because of that, um, I'm actually known by a few drummers to be their personal like drum tracking engineer for their albums like whenever they're cutting demos and all that they'll do it at their own studio and this and that but when it comes to final album cuts we'll go to a big studio and they'll bring me along with them um and that's great to know because that means of what i personally really enjoyed i became somebody that was known for that but i've also recorded like a hundred bands so it that's the story for one band not for all hundred of them you know but professionally speaking i actually you know became more of a known engineer in the R&B hip hop world, you know, and w- primarily funny enough with female vocalists, I actually work with a lot of female artists really well. Um, I'm just glad to be working. And honestly, I love the music we work on together. Yeah. And I think that we should also talk about how, when you niche, it doesn't have to be a genre. I know that we are talking about genre. It's a right specialty. Now. Well, drums is a specialty. If you think yeah, about it, recording drums, drums? across anything, it could be hip hop, R&B, rock it could be jazz and producing drums recording drum mixing yep. drums these are three different specialties yep. and those are like 
And it goes beyond just recording it. It's like, do you like what is proper tuning for one instrument versus another? You know, understanding the little fundamental things is how you niche. Yeah. So I think this goes back into what I really, really push and believe, which is for an artist, for an industry full of creatives. I mean, we're here because we're creative in some sort of capacity. We are really uncreative at the business side of stuff. Yes. So I would say that be creative with your niches. I know out here there's an actual job position for vocal tuning and just vocal tuning alone. I know that there's uh, like I think there's someone called the drum doctor where they go to big yep. studios and they just have a bunch of different drums and they know how to tune them to specific ways. I've hired them before. There you go. And yeah. um, what else? There's a bunch of different niches out here, like composing for film and TV, but specifically doing this kind of stuff. And you're only kids composing. TV shows, songwriting to kids TV shows. There's so many ways that you can niche in both skill and genre and who you work for who you work with, corporate or independent. Like there's so many different ways that you can niche and find what you really want to do. And at the end of the day, it's it's very heavily tied with what you like. Oh yeah. Because let's say I'm really good. Like I was good at recording drums. I was good at mixing and like producing for these like alt rock bands, but I just didn't enjoy it as much. Mm-hmm. And when I didn't enjoy it as much, I felt like I put a, a cap on how good I can get. Yeah. But with hip hop, R&B stuff, like there's no cap. Like I I can... I can feel like I can continue to get better because I actually like what I do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like liking what you do is a big part of finding your niche. I think it is. Um, now, we all don't like one thing. That's where my view on variety is a good idea. Yeah. Because, um, you know, we could have a good run on one style of work. Let's uh, Let's put it this way, Grammy season. If your niche market is all top-end clients, well, you know, around Grammy season, most of the work's done. For three months. That's why uh, holiday season is done because nobody's releasing anything until, you know, after the Grammys of the day of things like that. But that's if you work in that market. Now, if you work in like uh, film and television, there's actually kind of no downtime, at least not that I've experienced. Like if uh, if you do fully, you can niche into that. There you go. That's professional uh, niche that uh, fully a is lot fun of people too. actually take. Yeah. Like, fully is fun. Uh Punching a large piece of ham to get a punch sound for a film. Have you ever yeah. done it? Have you ever tried? Or it's slapping fun. Slapping a piece of ham. Yeah. I've, like I've heard of people like whipping the couch to get like a specific sound. Taking a, a metal uh, loose board and just shaking it for thunder. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I think um, things like that, like, yeah, there's film and TV stuff. There's literally, I hate to say this, I'm super... Uh, this is really weird. I don't even know should I bring it up on the podcast. I'm really anti-porn, but there is a post-production industry within the porn industry of doing post-production sound. If like, you don't mind having awkward times during your working hours. That is an actual niche. Yeah. I'm like super anti-porn, but like, but that is an actual niche. Really, hey, I'm though. just saying slapping the ham in post-production. Nope, 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 nope. We're not going into this. <laughs> We're not getting into this. Uh, but let's see. That's uh, such a great Foley job. But I would say that like it's important to know like how – but if if what you like is a big part of finding your niche, then I think that's why diversifying is important as well. In the early stages of your career, you should throw spaghetti, a lot of spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks in the sense that you should try a lot of different things. I've done Foley work. I've done post-production film. I've done re-recording mixer for film. I've done compositions. I've done classical music. I've done hymns. I've done jazz. I've played, I've tried to be an instrumentalist. I was a wedding singer. Like I've done lots of different things, mm-hmm. vocal producer, diff- way different things. And I found what I like because I've done yeah. a lot of things. 
same with you. Like you've built out studios, you've designed acoustic stuff, you've done, you've fixed, help fix consoles, do analog like soldering type stuff. You've done film and TV. You've done post production audio, obviously for music. You've done a lot of recording. Mm-hmm. You've done genre. Like there's so many different ways that you can niche. And how how do you know? Like even know like compared to what you have tried. Mm-hmm. Like yes, you have a lot of things that you're doing right now, but compared to what you've tried, you've probably niched down a lot. I actually have. Um, what's funny is that I actually didn't choose my niche. Really? Yeah, I, I actively decided to basically allow my career to choose it, um, which is pretty common. Which yeah. Is pretty normal. Um, reason being is this: when it rains, it pours, and that's great. But my personal choice, it doesn't rain. It's a desert. I, I love metal music. I love uh, alternative rock and things like that. But currently, it's actually one of the lowest budgeted industries and things like that. There's not a lot of airplay for it. So as you're trying to grow, you have to kind of ask yourself professionally too, like, am I doing this to grow as a career to where I can eventually open my own facility and blah, 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 be able to employ other people based off of like the previous work that I've done to help, you know, propel them into their careers or... Am I really doing this for myself and making a, a decent living at it? Now, you if you go into certain markets, there's more growth potential than others. And if you allow yourself mm-hmm. to work in a large variety of ways, you can see which ones actually bring a bigger income. And uh, I'm happy to say with the income that my niche has brought, you know, we're able to provide a lot of our interns and people that we work with opportunities. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think that's a big point is that niche in your market in the sense that like, yes, we're not saying that you can't make money from rock and heavy rock and stuff. Yeah, There's a lot of people that make a lot of money as from that. But, fruitful. And, as a and let's say you enjoy that. You can make money for it. You can go for it. Especially if there's not a lot of competitors in your area that do that niche. But that being said, like there's a balance between doing what you like and making money from something. For example, right now in the pop world, in things that have high budgets, it's a lot of rap R&B like hip hop stuff right now. Oh yeah. There's a lot of world music being thrown in, so a lot of like uh reggaeton and uh uh afro pop is being thrown in mm-hmm. right now with bigger budgets, but if you want to be thrown into that, then that's something you niche to, but ha- you can niche within hip hop. Do you do trap? Do you do yeah. boom bap? Are you are you pitching to Griselda? Are you pitching to Dreamville? Are you pitching who are you pitching to, right? And so there's niches within that as well. Um, but I would say that if you're trying to make money, if you're trying to grow a business, then you might consider partially considering what things are making money in your area. And for example, in Arkansas, I would assume that rock is still doing a lot better than hip hop, right? Um, depending on where you're at. And at the same time in Chicago, in LA and New York, there's absolutely, I don't know. I mean, I haven't been in L.A. long, and I know there's a lot of rock studios around here, but I still haven't seen anybody that does rock full-time. Well, one of the studios I actually really enjoyed, I can't believe I'm blanking on their name right now, but they're out in, I believe, Reno, Vegas area. I think they're known as for having the largest SSL console in the United States or Northern Americas. That's Um, a huge flex. That's a huge (laughs) flex, but they actually recorded like one of my favorite bands, Megadeth, there. And uh, because of that, I started looking into their history, and I realized, I'm like, if I'm ever recording a metal band that has a budget for a studio, I'm going there. What was that? What was that studio locally around here that we went to go visit that had Lincoln NRG. Park? NRG. Yeah. NRG is uh, was a rock studio. Yeah. Yeah. And as times have shifted, mm-hmm. 
it seems like most of the plaques on the wall are slowly changing into hip hop and R and B. Yep, I remember when I first interviewed with them for a little bit. Um, they were looking for some more interns, and I actually walked in, gave them a resume. They saw like who I had worked with, and they're like, "You know, why are you trying to take a step backwards?" And this is where you know diversifying, or at least being honest with yourself and niching. Um, um, they saw that a lot of the people that I've worked with were actual clients of theirs, like game and all them. Um, but I told them I mainly am interested in learning from you because of your history in rock and metal. I want to actually get better at engineering in these rooms with these types of bands and understand the workflows and the mentalities that go behind it. I was actually trying to personally niche at that point, but you know, if we're talking about, you know, finding which markets are paying more, they even told me in the interview, they're like, yeah, well, we don't do a lot of rock anymore as most of the bands that we would love to work with are not being given the budgets they used to. So even the rock studios that are really well known are starting to find themselves, like you said, transitioning more into the pop hip hop world because of the way the market's been paying out and who can afford you this and that. Now, if you want to niche, like we said, into a market that you want to be in, the rock market, or it could be jazz, or it could be acapella, doesn't really matter. Just try to find a way to make a living in it. And and just because it's no longer being budgeted, like let's say NRG is no longer taking as many rock clients anymore. That doesn't mean that there's no more rock clients. That just means that that actually might mean you might have more opportunity than ever if you're a home studio mm-hmm. because there's still bands out there that need to be recorded, but there's less resources now. I know a lot of good so, ones that are being recorded so at now, rehearsal places. Exactly. So now if you're trying to do rock, maybe you're going to find that there's a big niche for it. Just keep your overhead low. Yeah, there you go. Keep your overhead low. Again, go reference back to a couple episodes ago. Um, but I will say, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways to find your niche and a lot of ways to find what you like. Do not put yourself into a hole saying, and, and let me say this right now. I mean, I've said this many times in the past. I'm going to emphasize it right now again. If you are trying to niche into mixing or mastering one or the other, uh, less so for mastering, but definitely for mixing, it is not a good idea to decide and pick that you want to start mixing without having any recording experience. Oh, please be an engineer in the room first. I've, I've never heard of any mix engineer that has done well that started mixing and has no idea how to record. They, they usually go hand in hand. That is, for example, that is a skill gap. Yeah. Um, mixing is a skill gap. And I hate to say it, but it's just training the ear. And, yeah. and the more that you train your ear, the more that you'll understand how real that is. But like now, I would say both of us were very, very, how do you say, literate with frequencies. I don't have to sweep anymore. Like yeah. one, of the, the, one of the interns, she was asking me like, DK, you don't sweep for frequencies? Nah, I heard it and I cut it. Yeah. Like I, I, do, I didn't even realize that I don't even sweep for things anymore. But that's how literate I am with frequencies. That's good. I'm not at, I'm, I'm close, but I'm not to that point yet. I know when I hear it, I'm like, cool. I know what range it's in, but I can't be very specific. Yeah. And, and maybe I might sweep within like, you know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I'll go up, boom, down. Because yeah. I like an up and I bring it down. I know where it is. I find it. Boom. I dip it. I try not to up. I'll, I'll do like the monitor mode in FabFilter Pro Q3. Oh, uh, where you, know you know just I mean? monitor. Yeah, the... but I'll do it while the music's playing back. So I know like, okay, this is what I'm hearing. Okay, cool. That's the frequency I don't like. Bam. Okay. Isolate it. Grab. So, so I mean, but that's the point though, is that you're going to get better, right? Yeah. And so for something like if you want to niche into mastering, 
I'm going to tell you right now, you better like mastering is probably the hardest one to niche into because typically speaking, mastering engineers should be the most well-informed, the best ears in the industry. And how can you get the best ears in the industry if you've never recorded, if you've never mixed? And a lot of mastering engineers that are good, they either know what they can do to fix it or they will just tell you flat out, I need you to talk to your mixing engineer. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so I would say if you're trying to niche into mastering, um, be careful. Uh, at the same time, I'm going to be totally bi- unbiased here. I'm going to be totally unbiased. There may be a niche for you in mastering for the shitty $20 of songs to master. Maybe there's a niche for you. Maybe there Please is. don't just upload it to Lander and no, then no, no. Send I mean, it back. like some. I mean, so I know some people that do like twenty, fifteen dollars a song, and people be posting on Facebook. I do twenty dollars a mix. Like yeah. it sounds silly to us, but that's might be where you're starting at. Yeah. And I would say that that's okay. To be um, honest, keep, I remember. Keep going. I remember when somebody told me they're like, "Oh, you know, for your experience level, you should charge maybe fifty bucks a mix." I'm like, that seems like a good price because that was such such a early stage of it. I'm like, I can make fifty bucks a mix. Yeah. You know, so if you're just starting out and you have some recording history, like whether it be at school and you've done a decent job there, I'd say start at 50 bucks. Yeah. You know, but 20 bucks a mix. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you spend more than two hours on that, you're making less than minimum wage. So um, and then obviously some people hate mixing. Some people hate mastering. They'd rather just give it to someone else. Some people would rather just stay creative. Like a lot of producers want to stay creative. So they don't hire out. They hire out mixes. Not because they that they can't do it themselves. Producers have to learn how to mix. You're yeah. producing, you're mixing as you're producing to a certain degree. But the reason that they hire out is because yes, there's somebody else that's only done mixing, you know, like that's trained their ears for specifically mixing. You get a new set of ears, different set of ears. But more importantly, so the producer can stay focused on what so they can stay focused on the creative side of it. Yeah. So if they have to deal with the mixing and the mastering, they might find out that their brain, they're spending too many emotional dollars. Mm-hmm. Maybe physical dollars is less than emotional dollars when it comes to mixing and mastering for some people, you know? Um, but talking about that, there's a lot of ways to make it super duper easy to continue to mix and master. I mean, this is the mixing music podcast. Mm-hmm. So for mixers, people that want to mix and producers and whoever's listening right now, um, one of the ways that we do that, we're going to bring them up again, um, is FilePass. Uh, shout out to our sponsor, yeah. FilePass. Um, FilePass is a cloud service website um, where you can upload files for clients. Mm-hmm. And you can have a paywall so people can't download it unless it's been paid for. Or you can just turn off downloads completely. Um, you can have clients upload files and sessions to you through uh, through FilePass. Um, it's all encoded, super protected, super safe. And yeah, it's a monthly subscription. It's really dope. I've been using it for like, when did they come out? Like a year and a half ago? Year I believe ago. so. Like a year ago about. I've been using them since they come out. I'm like grandfathered into like a super VIP, awesome, awesome plan. Um, but I totally, totally, totally recommend FilePass. You can check them out, filepass.com. We'll also have a link to their website in the description below. Um, but yeah, shout out to FilePass. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Um, thank you for being part of our lives. And honestly, for making my life easier as a mixer. Because now I have to do, revisions are way more organized because... So someone can leave a revision and it emails you and you can open it up and it's literally a checklist. It sends it to I you like that. a checklist and it could be timestamped like at one minute and 13 seconds. 
Uh, it's super dope. I really love it. it saves me a lot of time and a lot of effort hmm. and helps me to enjoy mixing. I may try to find a way to incorporate that with my SoundBetter account. No, for reals, yeah. And I really, really, I don't know if SoundBetter will let you do that. They hate third-party stuff. They hate third-party stuff, but couldn't I? You uh, can send I believe them a link you can say without, prevent without, downloads. Yeah, prevent downloads so they can't download it. Because uh, I know SoundBetter actually recommends that you do that. Oh, which really? is actually really good for FilePass to incorporate that. There you go. Where uh, if they haven't paid already, you know, go ahead and prevent downloads or tag it. Do something so that your work is protected. But FilePass has already got that taken care of. Yeah, and that's kind of how I discovered my niche as well was through FilePass, FilePass because um, what I would do is I would do demo mixes. I would say I would take a risk and say you don't have to pay me till after I'm done mm-hmm. because I believe that much in my own work. And I did that for a long time. I did mm-hmm. that like – so I think it has been like a year and a half, two years since FilePass started because I've been doing that for a while. And that's kind of how I got deeper and deeper into the niche because I kept getting opportunities because people felt like there was no risk. And then my mix would sit there in their inbox and it burn a hole in their inbox because they just they, they knew how hot it was. And most of the time, nine out of ten times, people bought it. Mm, that's good. I usually don't do demo mixes unless there's at least half a payment. There you go. I mean, that's pretty typical. That's yeah. pretty typical. But let's say you're starting off and you're newer um, and you want to just try stuff and you don't know if you're going to do good or if you're going to do really well or you just want to have an opportunity to get into the door, you can use FilePass and make sure that they can't download it unless it's paid for. Actually, this would be really good for producers. And producers as well. Boom. So people can listen to productions without being able to download it. So shout out. Okay, one more time. Shout out to FilePass. Really like y'all. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Uh, But as far as like niching down goes, I really genuinely do believe that to a certain point, it's going to be painfully obvious if you need to niche down. Like, to a certain degree, you should be, like, paying attention to what you're niching down into, and you can choose. But I think for most people, to a certain degree, we all have our niche chosen for us. It Mm -hmm. just comes to us. To a certain degree, like you said. Yeah. No, I I agree. You're just going to chase opportunities that you want to chase, and once you chase enough opportunities, you're going to find yourself in a position where you're like, oh, I enjoy where I'm at. Yeah. So if, if once again, choose the ones that make you happy. If, if a client's frustrating, you don't have to continue. But at the same time, Lou, if you hated R&B and hip hop so much, if you didn't like it, you would still be pursuing rock. Actually, you know, I have many, many projects that I've worked on that I know that I can help the client. And that the client needs help and I'm willing to do the work. Maybe the season is slow on my end. And you do the job anyways. Because in the end, as much as we love what we do, we still have overhead. Yeah. And that's why keeping your overhead low is a good idea. Because once again, you can focus on what you really care about. Boom. Keep charge of overhead. But at the same time, if you do that too much, let's say I do stuff that I don't like to do, but I have to because I have to do overhead. I'm not going to put out as good of a product because exactly. I'm not into it. Exactly. Keep your overhead it. low. So, yeah, there you go. Keep your overhead low. Keep your overhead low. Don't That's put yourself in that problems. position. Yeah. Don't take out credit if you need to. Don't take out a loan if you don't need to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I genuinely think that's kind of it. Does that wrap up the show? I think it does. So, try a lot of things and over time. Let niche, it tell you. Exactly. Boom. So, on that note, my friends, uh, Shout out to our second sponsor, us. We sponsor ourselves. Yeah. Please review us. Five star review if you're listening on Apple. Those five star reviews do help us a lot um, as we continue to grow. Um, and 
put this podcast on a playlist if you like. If you're on Spotify, that helps for Spotify. Yeah. Uh, if you like feedback for your mixes, um, you can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com and request some feedback. We also have guest applications on there now. Um, and yeah, we have free stuff. In the last episode, we uploaded uh, Lou's mixing template on Pro Tools. Yep. Even so, the I.O. if you want to create your own busing. Boom. There you go. So check that out. You can download that. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. One, two, three. If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's links.dekeimixes.com. Are you trying to find the perfect distribution platform to get your music on Spotify and Apple? I personally use and love DistroKid. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash DistroKid to get a small discount and get access to a platform with unlimited uploads for a yearly fee. Happy uploading and enjoy the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.